Welcome to this week's Life Until Death. I'm Rachel. I am Nicole. We were just actually talking about commemorative plates for Western Supermare. A beautiful series, I think. <laughs> Fuck me. If you can just have, like, smashed up crack pipe glass reformed <laughs> into, like, some kind of Murano glass plate. It's recycling. It is. Um, don't lick the plate. I bet I could get a government grant for it. Potentially, at the yes. moment. Potentially. It could be, like, heritage and lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyle? No. Well, it was a lifestyle. <laughs> it, is, it was a lifestyle, and now it is a beautiful decoration. Yeah. Yeah. If you Google Jim will fix it, there's um, Jim will fix it. Is he paints loads of random requests? Yeah. This one guy turned around to me to, to him and said, "No, not Jim will fix it. Oh, sorry, Jim, Jim will paint Jim it. Will paint Jim it. will fix it. It's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> Keep this in, Drew." <laughs> Do not Google Jim will fix it. Damn! I think we all had enough of that. Fuck. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Jim will paint it. Jim will paint it. um, He did this t-shirt thing. And it had Slipknot eating ice cream on Western Beach watching the pier burn down. (laughs) (laughs) I will will put that on the feed. It's beautiful. It's a piece of art. That is beautiful. So speaking of plates, in a very roundabout fashion, (laughs) so speaking, what do we get to talk about today? My favourite subject in the world? Foodie. Food. Food. Yum. Who has a disordered relationship with eating? Me and you probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I think both of us are going to talk a bit about eating disorders, even with my subject, which is a bit out there, but it has, it covers some very real issues, like a sitcom having a very special episode. So I just wanted to throw that out there in the beginning saying you might be affected by some of the things we are about to talk about with food. We talk about suicide and child death and and we give fair warning for those things true. as well that's fair so but there's lots of good things about food as well it tastes great it makes you feel good you can rub it over people before sexual intercourse that is not a good thing <laughs> chicken they, nuggets rubbing <laughs> i can't abide stickiness and bits and crumbs yeah no i'm much the same but i guess you don't really do like crumbly food in bed for intercourse. Mm. No. <laughs> just to, like textured afterwards. <laughs> just a box of corn. I love cereal. Can you just pour some special K all over my body? <laughs> <laughs> all the cornflakes. Ooh, snap, crackle, and pop. Oh, you can guarantee one of those would end up inserted, though. You don't need any special oh, place. please, no. Oh, I can't. I can't have Rice Krispies snap, crackling, and popping in my wet ass pussy. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> No, thank you. You just ruined a whole generation of cereal production <laughs> with that one acronym. Hey, you know what? Damn. Cereal is the best. Food is good. Food I mean, is great. Yeah, and I feel properly chilled and satisfied now since you brought over that Ponzi chai, chai latte stuff. Oh, pumpkin spice chai. Pumpkin spice chai. Because, you know, we yeah. engage in our poncy drinks, our little sat down before yes. we do these sessions. And yes. fuck, that was good shit. It was good. I am, it is now late September. October is nearly upon us. Yay. It is the pumpkin season. Literally everything I consume 
from now until mid-November has to be flavored with pumpkin spice. I'm fully on board with that. Everything. Everything. Yes. And if you're one of those people who makes fun of pumpkin spice and says it's for basic bitches, well, you know what? You can just fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. Call me a basic bitch then to my face because I love... <laughs> not just to our podcast. Uh-huh, because I love pumpkin spice. Watch all the DMs on social come up. Basic motherfucker. Basic bitch. <laughs> that's fine. Love that. You know what? That's fine. <clears throat> we can't all be perfect. Though. It takes all kinds of bitches to make the world go round. <laughs> it's true. Okay. <laughs> so how are you this week? What have you been up to? Well, I'm okay, I guess. I've been full on in study mode, doing the online class thing. I've discovered that my next placement is going to be in ICU. So I will be starting as a student nurse in the ICU unit, which is a COVID unit. I'm going to get fit tested. I'm going to be possibly around patients with COVID or suspected COVID. So I am scared out of my mind but also it's a bit excited but also mm. scared but also looking forward to the learning opportunity and also this is the 23rd of september at the moment we're going to be releasing out in a couple of days there could be full lockdown by that point again yeah literally yesterday be. we just received announcements about you know more more restrictions and the rest of it so fair exactly. play to you woman yeah no worries so pubs have to close at 10. So at, Fuck. at 10 o'clock, you take your ass down to A&E and get admitted to my COVID unit. <laughs> and I will take care of your drunken ass wearing my tight fit mask. And hopefully, yeah, I'm hoping that if it gets really, really bad, they'll pull us again. Because, mm. you know... <sighs> I'm kind of, it's like a rock in a hard place because you don't go into nursing necessarily expecting it to be easy or to be without any risk. But during a fucking pandemic. But during a pandemic, I'm a student. I'm not getting paid for this. I was paid for my last placement, um, the emergency COVID one, which was wonderful. Mm. I'm not getting paid. In fact, I am paying for the privilege of going on this placement with my uni fees. So part of me is like, and it's not all about the money. Of course not. I want to help people, but I also don't want to get sick and die because that helps nobody. Fair point, really. And I'm super numery, which means I don't need to be mm. there technically. It's my, I'm there for my learning, period. If I can help out, great. And I will help out. That's what you do as a student. You're also a staff member. You know, they have the best intentions of you being supernumerary, but you also, like, if you're a bit short, you muck in and, and help out that way as well. But in the long run, I am supernumerary, so and I'm still going to risk my life. Like, you know, I don't know. Suck it up with sugar tits. You'll be fine. <sighs> I know they'll be safe. I know they'll be as safe as possible and that they won't put me in any undue uh, danger. But it's still, you know, mm -hmm. you still think about it. Yeah. I mean, we were told yesterday that we're still going to be working from home. you got to work from home as long as possible now again. Yeah. it's Well, I think we're meant to be signing the lease on a premises, and I, I think we might have. But it, it's, you know, now we've got to work from home. So it's it's been this way since April. We set up the service L literally from home. I only met my colleagues probably a couple of months back. 
for the first time ever yeah. so it's it's all been done remotely it's all gone incredibly well it's an amazing service but there was that sort of lingering you know when you just see the light at the end of the tunnel and yeah. it was, I think there was a meme that I saw as well it was like here have 10 pounds go out go enjoy yourself then the next sort of caption what have you done <laughs> <laughs> and it was the the response to like the cheap oh, meals and all the rest of it. Eat out to help out was the biggest atrocity that this government has committed in the last three months. Aside from you know all their ineptitude that's led to the deaths of. I mean, I, I did help prop up the economy single-handed that month with the amount I ate out. But now I'm like, well, maybe that wasn't the best life choice. No, I think everyone should stay in, and if you want to eat out, eat out your partner. <laughs> Here, fucking here. Yes. (laughs) Boom. Employ that girl into a government position. (laughs) I tell you what, some days I wonder. Yeah, I've been having, we've been continuing the Death Cafe online. Oh, I missed Um, your first one, didn't I? That wasn't my first one. Well, it was the first one back, wasn't it? Well, back? You had a break, didn't you? Yeah, like a two-month break. But I think we're going to do two months from now on, because every month is a bit... Yeah. It's a bit heavy, but we had a really, really, really great meeting this last time. And it was, there were people from all over the world. There was somebody from like Isle of Wight. There were two people from the US, uh, people from in London, like just all over. And people that I'd never get to speak to if Mm. I was just doing physical cafes in Taunton. And those were great. I loved doing them. It opens it up so much more, doesn't it? it does, yeah. And I was getting tons of people in the Taunton ones, but, you know, yeah, it's just that diversity and... Mm access and people have told me several people from that meeting told me that they like my cafe because they go to different ones online and they say like we like the Taunton one and I'm like oh that's that's really sweet yeah although you know the whole Taunton thing it's like I don't even live in Taunton anymore so it's kind of like uh (laughs) and and we're worldwide now so like I don't know if I should change the name or but I'm really liking the online format and i think i could keep doing them online if we go in another lockdown it's working for Death you cafe is okay <laughs> in fairness it works as a, a model so much better in some respects in some it? respects i think you can't ever replace face-to-face communication um especially with groups like you know facial cues uh body language physical when I say physical contact, like, I just mean, like, you know, if somebody wants a hug or, like, you know, if they know the person or whatever. And, you know, it's, and, of course, the cake. Nobody eats cake anymore on these because it's kind of weird to sit in front of your webcam and scarf a cake. Like, But why can't you just order out cake? Like, you could just get cake sent to you for that occasion. It's like there's a really amazing, like, French patisserie place down the road from us. What? And Who? It, it was not too far away. And they do fucking amazing cakes and food. Like, just have it, just have like a little posh after. It's not getting the cake, it's actually eating it because people don't like to eat in front of their webcams. I don't have a problem with it. No, me neither. I'll eat all day on the day, but other people seem to have an issue. And it is a bit different because if someone's sitting there eating in front of you, you don't stare at them while they're eating. Mm. You look other places. But when you're on webcam, it's like you have to look at somebody. Like, you know? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Here we are talking about food again. Know, right? Food is important. <clears throat> well, this week I, I have been looking at myself in the mirror and going, okay, 
maybe we need to start reassessing things again. Because <laughs> uh, I have dropped some weight, and then the last couple of months, I've been quite a happy, comfortable situation. So I've engaged a bit more eating, which is fine, but I'm not moving around quite as much. Mm, yeah. So that's not an issue. And I have gone vegan as well. And vegan does not always mean healthy or low doesn't, fat. Man. <laughs> um, but I was saying, like, I'm, I'm trying to... Because it's complete. I love cooking. I adore cooking. I've been brought up in a household full of cooks. But readjusting that way of learning how to construct food using different ingredients, I'm hoping I can reprogram mm. my brain into picking healthier choices, even if the food's still quite indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like making sure that I'm making wise choices with stuff. So yeah, that was my my food journey. I've also started uni again. It's Yay. really really weird really weird I mean I'm sat in my office and I'm so glad I converted this office space at the start of pandemic because it has been like my little hub but yeah it's I think I'm just I said to you before you sort of you see the the world opening up a little bit again and then autumn equinox comes and it's like bam get back in your cave go in (laughs) to be fair I mean there's not in the summertime we could retreat to outside yeah or escape to outside really I think it's more been the fact, like, and I've spoken to friends about this. I I suffer from um, seasonal affective disorder. I know a lot of other people do, you know, whether it's formal or whatever else. But it's it's the notion of not being able to access that outside space and having to be indoors, like physically indoors, not even in your garden, not going down to the fucking park because it's pissing it down or it's cold. Mm-hmm. And having all of those, you know, there's not so much sunlight. I think it's going to be a bit more of a challenge this time round, but we'll fucking do it. I tell you what helped me get over my aversion to wet weather. Well, running. Really? When you run, man, you don't care. In fact, it's better if it's cold and wet than if it's fucking hot and sunny. Like, Mm. like I will go out in not driving rain. Um, but you know, if it starts raining, it ain't no thing. Like, you Mm. know, if it's cold, excellent. You just wear your thick leggings and then you still wear layers because you still want to take them off halfway through. Like, mm. yeah, I'm all, I run every other day if you want, if you desire to move around more. I do, but I just jiggle so much at the moment that I'm not. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> I know. Literally nobody cares except you. Yeah. Like no one will be looking at you. I promise. Okay. Wear a big baggy t-shirt if you're worried about it. It's not the look. I think it's more the fitness levels because I think you have a certain expectation for yourself. And then when that gets smashed through and you're like, oh, look, I'm just a fucking wreck of like weeping, wheezing and fucking sweat everywhere. What's your 5K time? Fuck off. What? My 5K time? 26 fucking years, Nicole. What to do 5K in? Yeah. 26 years. I thought everybody. I thought everyone had a five k time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of fucking deluded world did you live in? I don't know. I guess one where I'm around people that run more Jesus than you. Fucking Christ! <laughs> planet you come from? Okay. Do you have a one k time? No. Do you have any time? No. Okay. Why don't we go out for like a test run and we'll figure out what your level of fitness is? Minus zero point five. <laughs> yeah that's fine we'll do it I mean I'm not I'm not the fastest like my 5k is like 30 minutes maybe 31 or 2 if I'm feeling fuck mine's at least 28 what are you talking about (laughs) 
but like but yes, I take breaks as well. I don't I don't run solid. Like I'm quite lazy. Mm. Like I'm 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 a lazy fit person. Like <laughs> like I give up quite easily and okay. I it's why hit appeals to me because it's like a lot of different stuff going on. I get bored. I, you know, stop and adjust my music. That Some one, people are machines, but yeah. There was a couple of things that I've been checking out. I mean, there was Earlier on, I think I sent you a message when you were at uni. I was at uni. And it was about a BBC story. So I come into my office in the morning. I set my Alexa to, you know, do the BBC news thing. Sit down, pot down, have a coffee. And I was listening to an extract from an audio interview done through American funeral directors. And it was just the most beautiful, passionate, really well done interview. And they were speaking about... There's this one guy, and there's an extract, and he said, nothing will ever be difficult in this industry again. <sighs> nothing will be difficult. We won't take this for granted. We mm. won't, won't, you know, moan about a busy week, you know, when you're used to having seven people you care for, and then you've got 70, and you're converting the office spaces, you're converting the kitchen areas, you're turning up the air, con- you know, making sure the air con- conditioning is on properly so you can accommodate these extra people. Over 200,000 dead in the States now. Mm. It's mad. And I'm, I'm not a fear mongerer. You know, I'm very, very realistic. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> realistically thinking that that's a lot of dead people. Like, Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm also not saying you are. But I had a conversation with my kid's teacher the other day because they've, they've been back for the last two weeks and I'm still thoroughly uncomfortable with it. Bad and decision. Yeah. And, yeah, my little boy's gone back and... I, I feed him age-appropriate information. So I've let him know that we're on level four at the moment. If you get to level five, the lockdown might happen. And the reason I've done that is when lockdown hit before, he went to his father's for a weekend visit and then lockdown happened and he was there for 10 fucking weeks. Like, he couldn't come home because there was health issues. So I didn't see him, he didn't see me for 10 weeks after expecting to just come home. Mm. So if this happens again... I want him to be informed and to know when it is going to happen. And that's not a fear-mongering thing. He knows what's going to happen. He knows I'll be here. But he needs to have bits of information that are age-appropriate so he can become comfortable with that and talk about his feelings around it. And the fucking teaching assistant came up to me and was like, oh, he seems to be very aware of these things. I was like, sorry, are you fucking lying to the rest of the kids then? Are you saying that we're just going to go, like, you know, when mummy goes to prison, it's, oh, she's just gone on holiday for a couple of months. Or when grandpa dies, oh, he's just sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping. Fucking fluids falling out of eyelids. Oh, no. Jesus. Uh, What I got from that, that you just said, is that we have levels of lockdown, which I wasn't aware of. No, I need you, I need a service where you tell me what the level is every day. Fuck's sake. Um... Is that like the service you provide when you message me every day going, have you exercised yet? And I'm like, no. Nope. I, I haven't done that for a long time because you stopped responding. So. Yeah, I know. I know. The same way with Drew. Oh, as well. Another fucking level of rejection. Maureen cancelled on me today. Your therapist dumped By a you? text. Whoa. Hashtag fucking Maureen. What you doing? Swipe left on that. Wait, yeah. is left the bad one or right the bad one? I don't fucking know. It's been a while. 
I've never done Tinder. Have you not? I've not done Tinder. I've done all the other platforms. I've kind of, part of me wants to just see what it's like because I like the idea of like swipe, swipe, swipe. Imagine oh, going to okay. a really, really seedy nightclub. A nightclub where you don't like the music, the shots are about 99p each and everyone's just fucked. That's Tinder. Like the floors are sticky in Tinder. <laughs> oh, man. But it meets a need, apparently. Uh-huh. But there's just different gradients. It's just like going to a different shitty nightclub, being on the different dating apps. Trust me. Hmm. All right. I've never used a dating app before. So time consuming, especially for the first 48 hours of being online as well as a woman. And I don't say that in a sort of genderous way. I say it just because of how it is. Is it just like dick pic after dick Jesus pic? Jesus fucking Christ. No, I, I haven't received that many dick pics. But it's just the responses that you get constantly. It's yeah. like for the first 48 hours, because you're set as a new profile, everyone's like, ah, fresh meat. <laughs> it's just yeah. a... No, it's a bit gross. And in fairness, like, I was never on online dating for very long before meeting someone anyway. So it's like... And how'd that work out for you? Bad. Okay. Bad. All right. <laughs> bad choices. I'll stick to my time-honored methods of meeting somebody before I've left my previous partner. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Drew. Although that is really my dating history for the <laughs> That's past. kind of her MO. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done. I don't want to date anyone ever again. I don't want to get to know anyone new ever again. I'm tired of introducing myself, of feeling insecure, of discovering their likes and dislikes and communicating my likes and dislikes. It's a, it's a ball ache. Like, find someone, get comfortable with them to the point where you can leave the door open when you're shitting. Oh, no. And Just don't then just that's it, you know? And it hasn't affected, like, we're not so comfortable that we don't, like, fuck anymore or anything. <laughs> the look that you're giving me right now. <laughs> I just can't believe we're here again, Nicole. We're here in this place again. I'm going to fucking move on from here. Okay. Okay. Let's move on from the toilet <clears throat> to so, the other end. Yes, let's talk about food. Food! Oh, what was the best thing you ate in the last 24 hours? Fuck, what have I eaten? for god's sake lots of foods oh i did make my well i did do a curry um a vegan curry and it had meat substitute stuff in it but it had spinach had a, you know a little little bit of um spinachy spinach can't remember what else it had in it it was just a nice curry it was good but in the life of we are going to be chatting about a lady called victoria spence the article's called Dancer is Now Warned of Government's Dangerous Plan to Tackle Obesity, and that's by Saffron Otter, and it was brought out on the 19th... I'm sorry, who wrote that article? Saffron Otter. Otter. Saffron Otter. Saffron Otter. That sounds like a Glastonbury Saffron name. Saffron Otter. <laughs> I just want... Saffron, if you're listening, like, I don't know if you changed your name by deed poll, if you had hippie parents, if you're an actual otter... Who is saffron coloured? Saffron. On on behalf of life before death, I apologise for this dick. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's a bad name. I'm not. Saffron Otter. I'm just like you really. You would imagine her in like a boho shop, wouldn't you? Is it? Are High we sure end. it's a her? Oh, it might not be. Oh, that was very like presumptuous. It was. Did you just assume Saffron Otter's gender? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh anyway, it was brought out on the 19th of September, so it's really current, um, by the Manchester Daily Post. Oh. And she says, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. 
So the second source I had was by Danielle Comorpore. Kim Pormore. And that's from insider.com and it's called I'm recovering from an eating disorder and relapsing while in quarantine has been scarier than ever before. Mm. So first of all, we'll go through Victoria's story. She says that she's a professional dancer from Manchester and she's recovered from two eating disorders and has warned about the government's new law of calorie labelling on restaurant menus. I thought they already did that, to be honest. Weatherspoons does it. Oh, okay. You don't have to do it. Right. I am a big fan mm. of it. Mm. No, I think it, it I makes love you it. conscious choices. Yes. But. I also like when they put the fat on there as well, because I look at the fat more than the calories. This is, might be why she has an issue with it, to be honest, though. I have a gallbladder problem. Yes, I know. But people use it in different ways. <sighs> um. So she says, although the aim is used to tackle obesity as part of a wider campaign, Victoria, who has been diagnosed with anorexia and is it orthorexia? Yes. And I know from having a look, that's obsession with clean eating. She was just diagnosed in her late teens and she's described it as, a, as dangerous in that it will instead target those with eating, well, with disordered eating habits. So obesity has been one of the biggest national health crises for long for some time. Almost two thirds or 63% of adults in England are overweight or obese. Raises hand. Whilst one in three children leaving primary school will be overweight or obese, with obesity related illnesses costing the NHS £6 billion a year. But it wasn't until new evidence that links excess weight into the increase of serious illness and death from coronavirus that the government tried to remedy the problem once again. So nearly 8% of critically ill patients with COVID-19 in intensive care units have, well, they are, they're morbidly obese, they're larger folk, compared to the 2.9% of the general the rest of the general population. Oh, I just scrolled down to a massive picture of Boris Johnson. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, he's Fuck jogging up. in these like <laughs> floral shorts and two collared shirts. Never two has my vagina First been First of all, why are you wearing a collared shirt when you're running? Second of all, why are you wearing two collared shirts when you're running? He's a toffee ass motherfucker. Oh god. So the prime minister, who said in July he wasn't normally one for nannying or bossying, told fuck off, Boris, told the country to lose weight after he was admitted to intensive care to fight off the deadly disease. Acknowledging that he was too fat, Boris said, <laughs> has since lost at least a stone since the trauma of since the trauma by exercising his dog. In the last month, hired celebrity P.T. Harry Jameson. So, it is true that overweight people will, like, very overweight people will ha probably have problems with respiratory complications if they are in, you know, a critical care situation. Mm -hmm. Like, your oxygen stats can be lower when you're obese just because it's... It's just about it's like your posturing. It's yeah. the pressure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be harder for you to breathe. Like, mm. it's just a fact, you know, and you're, you got more body for your blood to go around. So you're, you know, your um, blood pressure has got to be higher. You got to breathe more to get that oxygen My in there. My blood is constantly struggling to get around this body. It's like, Especially oh, come on. In the ass area. It's like, Rachel, just move more. <laughs> Just massage me. Your more. red blood cells like, I've been traveling around this ass for three days and I haven't found my way out yet. <laughs> Good thing the missus passed me a big old lunch because I ain't been out this ass since nigh on February. <laughs> oh, shit. <clears throat> so, 
Public Health England is leading the Better Health campaign announced at the end of July. It's it's basically designed to get the nation fit and healthy and protect us against COVID-19 and protect the NHS. Just one of the tools is used is calorie labelling, which the Department of Health and Social Care outlined as new laws, which will require large restaurants, cafes and takeaways with more than 250 employees to add calorie labelling to the foods that it sells. It continues, however, there is a lack of information about calorie content on these items. And research suggests that people consume around 200 more calories a day if they're eating out compared to food prepared at home. This new measure will help make people healthier, inform choices as part of their balanced diet. And it'll make restaurants, because when they put those all those calories on the fucking menu, especially takeaways and shit, it's going to look real bad. So restaurants are going to want to offer lighter options. It's Weatherspoons did it. When they started putting calorie stuff on their, mm. their menus, they started offering more lighter options. And that's great for people like me who don't want to eat. You know, I feel like I've got my disorder eating in a pretty good place. I'm kind of under control. But I still don't crave going out and getting, you know, a massive cheeseburger or fried food that's going to be a billion calories. Like, I But you don't when you've started eating properly for a while. You don't crave that. Exactly. And I want to go to the restaurant and make sure <laughs> that I'm making good choices and have the options there. And I <laughs> think if they're forced to put the calories on the menu, then they are going to be shamed into providing healthier options, which is good for everybody. Mm. It's nice to have the option there, if you, even if you choose not to take it. Yeah. So... Victoria, who believes the new law will have adverse effects, remembers being forced to be aware of her own body from the age of 15 at dance school, with teachers asking her which parts of her she didn't like or where she needed to work on. She said you were continuously reminded that your body is your CV and how work in the the dance industry is a lot of time about your image. I I was such a perfectionist and I got to the point where I trained so hard and as good as I could be. So the only thing I could do better was to think about what I was eating. Vic, who would train from 8am till 6pm and sometimes 9pm, started started work out in the gym on top of her dancing. She turned to bikini body competitors on Instagram to learn about what to eat um, after thinking they had amazing less fat bodies. I thought about what they must be doing and thought it was healthy. And she said, when they said don't eat carbs, I wouldn't. When they said eat this many calories because I was so competitive, I think, okay, so I'll eat less than a thousand calories a day. Oh, that is nothing. Mm -hmm. So I took what they said at gospel because it was, I was so uneducated at the time. Vic started to create obsessive relationships with the scales, weighing herself every month, dropped down to once a week and then before every single meal. Her diet was made up of just vegetables and protein with porridge for breakfast. But Vic a bit, she tries to live off as little as she could losing a stone in weight very quickly. She had compliments from her teachers and classmates at college, but they warned her not to lose any more weight. Vic continued, I thought they were just jealous and that they didn't have the same dedication as me. When you have a disorder, you think everyone is against you. I was in denial to the point where I got my whole, sp- my whole spine was bruised. I was falling asleep. I couldn't take anything in. She cites a turning point later in the year when she is away on holiday on a cruise with her parents and not being able to attend college due to her illness. They were on a chocolate buffet on board and her mum suggested that she try some strawberries dipped in dark chocolate. I'll have one, I said. 
But when your body's so deprived, it's going into starvation mode, you get access to food that you've been restricted from and it can trigger a binging episode. I couldn't stop and I took it all to my room. I probably consumed more calories in 30 minutes than I had in a week. I had a blackout and I was really unwell. My dad found me and I just broke down. This episode was a real wake up call and I thought, what am I doing? I've done this to a perfectly good body to be successful and I've just done the opposite. I've ruined it. Then I started to co cooperate more with my therapist who have said that I'd made the choice to get better or just to die. It was the hardest thing I've done in my life and I've set my mind on getting better. But it wasn't a simple journey to recovery, although it slowly started to gain weight and no longer was considered mentally ill fucking disagree with that uh, um she <laughs> well i'm not mentally ill anymore i was gone i put on weights i'm not mentally ill she still <laughs> restricted what she ate and described um and decided to enter bikini body competitions which is something she now calls glorified eating disorder yep for the majority of people complete compete she competed in three titles coming the first in the northwest championships to the fourth in the british title and she but she still had really big problems with her food she had a personal trainer for weight tra weight training. Vic said, I had a realisation that I had, hadn't had healed my unhealthy relationship with food and channeled, channeled it just into something else. The competitions were glorified eating disorders for the majority of women who did it, but I'd won three trophies because of it. Then more than five years from the start of her disordered journey with food, Vic began to become more comfortable in her own skin. She was working on personal development on herself instead of her image, swearing by the technique of positive affirmation. I woke up to life. Uh, I learned more things than just my image. Now, a confidence coach with a huge following on Insta, Vic has criticised the government's new men um, public health campaign as lazy and privileged ways of thinking. And it said it won't, so won't solve what it's set out to do. She continued, they are saying because something is low in calorie, it's healthier. If you're going to place calories on health, you're going to end up with a world of people who are low weight but ill health which will in turn put pressure on the NHS anyway? Or do you want people that are mindful and educated about nutritional values of food? A bigger body doesn't mean that you are less healthy. So at Prime Minister's Questions on Wednesday the 16th of September, uh, the MP for Bath, Liberal Democrat side, said that in the week the Prime Minister announced the new strategy on obesity, the eating disorder charity Beat experienced a 165% increase in the number of people contacting their support services. And Mr Johnson responded, I'm acutely conscious um, that there is no glib easy answers um, in this area of public policy. Other measures to tackle the national, national obesity problem will, will see a ban on TV junk food advert, adverts before 9pm. The end of deals like buy one get one free on unhealthy foods. Um, high in salt, sugar and fat, and a new app for the first 12 weeks on the NHS weight loss plan. Right. I have some problems with this. Mm, me too. Although calorie content isn't an indicator of the nutritional value of food, it is still a lot fucking healthier when you go out to not consume an entire day's worth of calories in one meal. Mm. There is going to be some, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like I might choose a lower calorie option and it might not be a fully balanced meal, but this is one meal we're talking and it is going to be better to eat fewer calories than some of the options you see out there. I mean, some, and it, it's hidden calories that are the problem because you can go to some restaurants in the States, for example, and order a salad 
and the salad will be the most calorific fattening thing on the entire mm. menu. And people don't realize because they're like, oh, it's a salad. You know, I think there are problems when you start turning food into numbers. Um, there was another initiative that they were talking about that was putting on food packets how many minutes of exercise it would take to burn off the calories in that item, which I think that would lead to mega disordered eating. Um, because wow. first of all, there's so many factors in that. You can't just say, oh, if right. I run for half an hour, I'll burn off that's those calories. Variable. It's awful because that's what that's a, a lot of anorexics on. use, you know, exercise as a way of countering anything they eat. Yeah. You know, so, and food should not be seen, absolutely not be seen as a reward for exercise and, and punishment or exercise should not be seen as a punishment for food. I think I struggle with, with this and I'll move on to my next little bit in a second because it's, uh, there's another little chunk of stuff. But I think that, that food has such a positive effect on mental health if it's used in the right way. There is so much evidence-based research when it comes to consuming certain foods or even just having a balanced diet, which is based on fresh foods or nutritionally balanced mm. foods and eating at the right times and not overeating. My thing, it's not what I eat, it's fucking how much I yeah, eat. Yeah. I'm like everything to excess, let's do everything fast and hard. Mm -hmm. And that includes my eating as well. Yes. And if something is good, I want all of it. Give it to me now, all of yes. it. Rachel wants it all. And the thing is, too, unhealthy food is cheaper. It's always been mm. cheaper. And the whole thing about ending the buy one, get one free deals on unhealthy food, that's great. But are they going to make healthy food cheaper? Yeah, are they going to make fresh exactly. fruits and vegetables cheaper as well? And that's what I found with swapping to vegan substitutes is, yeah, they're, they're always going to be cheaper than meat because of the, <laughs> the nature of what it is. But they're not fucking cheap. They don't make it cheap for you to like swap over to these different no, things. No, fresh fruit and vegetables are a very privileged thing. Mm. Especially if you have a large family and you're on a fixed income, buying a bag of six apples. What if you have eight people in the house? How long is that bag of apples going to last? How much could that, that two pounds 50 or whatever you spend on six apples, you could buy more of something else. Mm -hmm. And that something else will probably be, higher in fat higher in sugar higher in calories whatever mm. because you're just gonna make the decisions because you want your family fed you know and it's it is very difficult but I think for eating out which is a treat mm. eating out is a treat and it's a privilege as well not everybody can afford to eat out I think putting the calories on things like that I think is more beneficial than not because you can go to the store and any food you buy at the store, you can make those choices. When you eat out, it's a mystery. Mm. You know, what am I eating? How much fat and calories is in this? And you can ask for the nutrition menu, but you sound like a bellend when you do it. <laughs> or you can look it up on your phone, you know. But if I am expected to make those wise nutrition decisions for myself in the store, why not at the restaurant? That's fair enough. There's There was another one here that was was quite interesting as well and it's from the perspective of a lady living in America and she has hmm, a similar story to this but it's for me it started to hit home a little bit more and this was about her being quarantined and her relapse being scarier than anything before because of the fact she's in quarantine she says, I turned on the news to see coronavirus death toll rising. I read a report about a severe shortage of personal protective equipment for the frontline healthcare workers. 
My five-year-old son has been crying because he misses his teacher and hates homeschooling. We all hate homeschooling, oh, kids. fuck me. My, my partner, essential worker at Amazon Distribution Centre, tells me another person at his facility has tested positive for COVID-19. My one-year-old won't stop throwing his toys. I'm dangerously close to missing another work deadline. I feel so overwhelmed that my face is starting to tingle and go numb. As my heart rate increases, I begin to skip, pick the skin up on my thumbs and pace around about 700-foot-square apartment. Suddenly, I recall last night's leftovers, spaghetti with meatballs, sitting in the fridge. I quickly reheat the dinner and devour the entire container, waiting, um, waiting five minutes, and then go to the bathroom to force myself to throw up. My heart rate settles, my face puffy, while puffy no longer feels tingly and paralysed. I feel the panic subside and I feel in control. My recovery from disordered eating, anorexia and bulimia, has been far from perfect. Any major life change... A cross-country move, a job loss, the birth of a child, a friend's death has pushed me to relapse. But falling back into my eating disorder at a time when it's so uncertain has been scariest, scarier than my previous backslides. Millions of Americans struggle with disordered eating and sheltering in place makes that battle so much more difficult. As many as 30 million Americans live with eating disorders, according to the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders. Every 62 minutes, at least one person dies because of an eating disorder, which makes it amongst the deadliest of all mental illnesses. I definitely have to hear here to that as well, from being in psychiatric units and seeing people with disordered eating for something as fundamental as eating. It's like fucking breathing, how your mind will recover from that. And I've seen people that have been in the grips of it. It's fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. But I'll move on. At the moment, many Americans are also sheltered in place to mitigate the spread of coronavirus. Isolation, fear and job and loss of control makes that much harder for people like me, either recovering or avoiding disordered eating. Eating disorders and disordered eating are about getting back into control. And general public right now, we don't have any control over our movements. Haley Miller, a dietitian and eating disorder specialist practicing in New York, told The Insider, historically, the general public has misunderstood the causes of disordered eating citing vanity, lack of willpower. You only have to look as far as online jokes and memes about, about gaining weight during COVID-19 isolation to see these attitudes. And they are alive and well. Mental health issues, trauma and abuse, gen genetic predisposition, family history and diet-focused culture are often triggers. Even in the best of circumstances, overcoming disordered eating is difficult. But now, amid a public health crisis, it's resulted in 10 million job losses 6.6 million people fighting for unemployment and 30 million children out of school. It can feel impossible. There's no timeline for when this pandemic will end, leaving my eating disorder to flourish in, unforeseen, in an unforeseen amount of time. That scares me because I know how deadly this disease is and it also scares me because I know I'm not alone. As the coronavirus causes a rise in alcohol and drug relapse, the pandemic is undoubtedly disturbing those in recovery from an eating disorder and is likely to breed disordered eating habits and others. Everyone's in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, it's about making sure everything's okay. Probably, if this continues, we're going to start getting more calls because the reality is that things are going to settle in and people's anxiety will be insurmountable. Sheltering in place and practising social distancing are crucial to maintaining health and well-being for ourselves. But for those with disordered eating habits, these protections double as a trigger. 
it's easier to fall into unhealthy habits when you are lacking the accountability of others, especially when access to established support work networks is taken away. In trying to keep myself and my family healthy, I am becoming increasingly unhealthy. And the longer we're isolated at home, stripped from our routines, I feel my unhealthy eating habits will only continue to thrive. It's like a perfect storm. It's the worst thing that can happen for someone with disordered eating. There are resources available for people who are covering from developing eating disorders, however. I hear the climbing death toll on a night on the nightly news and I prepare my dinner. My partner sends me pictures at work proving he's been wearing his home mask that I made him. My children start crying over a toy and I quickly realise that we haven't been outside for six days. I start, pack, I start picking up my skin and my thumb. My face starts to tingle and go numb. My heart rate increases. But instead of preparing eight packs of ramen noodles to eat and then quickly purge, I leave my dinner to simmer, turn on the television, give my sons two coveted toys and sit next, sit next and text my support person. The urge to skip a meal remains, but the false sense of control that accompanies every purge still beckons. But in this time, the simple act of reaching out to someone who understands feels monumental towards regaining my recovery and working towards a healthier tomorrow. Can I just say that I really enjoy when you see a big fat guy and he's wearing a t-shirt that says, I beat anorexia. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's my favourite. All sex, drugs and sausage rolls. <laughs> See, if the government's going to be tackling obesity, what are we going to do about our big funny fat guys that wear funny novelty t-shirts about how fat they are? Oh, I know. But it's... all mean, Hawaiian shirts as well. Stop this insanity. No. Um, I was... You... Because the thing I can relate this to is... I watched a documentary about women that have been locked down with their domestic abusers. Mm. And if you are your own domestic abuser, then what do you do in that situation? Ooh, that's an interesting way to think about it. Well, you know, I've been very privileged in the fact that I've, I was at a stage during lockdown that I was willing to do some critical self-reflection and work on myself and all that fluffy motherfucking shit. But a lot of people aren't. You know, they, they don't have that privilege. And what are they meant to do in that situation when you are, you're in the peak of crisis already before pandemic? Mm. You know, like your crisis is just going to continue. Well, you have all those external stresses as well, just yeah. adding to everything. And then with with lockdown and food, I mean, the whole supermarket shortages, mm. the concern about food supply and everything, that, of course, added to all of that. So, But I think the one thing to pull out of this is yet again support networks therapeutic intervention engagement it fucking finally they've actually produced a system for making sure that online therapy and teletherapy is accessible because it's always been there it just hasn't always been approved or funded and now it's it's mandatory you know you've, you've got to make sure that there's some kind of way of people accessing intervention in place so fuck do it i mean services like the one that I, i'm working with they ring you you don't nice. even have to ring them you know there are things available what about people who haven't actually answered a phone call since 1996 and would rather text or message than there is actually texting and messaging services available there's samaritans there's loads yeah of... you can text the samaritans yeah. like what emojis do you use when you text the samaritans oh i'd use all of them all of them all of gifts. Gifts. Oh, gifts, gifts yes oh my god perfect 
but there's and I know it's it's hard when especially when you you have no option to but to be in your own thoughts but just reach out to someone like it's everyone's in the same boat especially still in America where it's still locked down like everyone is in the same boat they're all stuck at home so no one's going to look at you strangely because you now need to access support in a different way you know if you've lived in survival mode for for this long you can do it for a little while longer and then pick up the pieces of trying to find out what's going on after that exactly yep and try not to be anxious about food shortages because as we've seen from the last lockdown there is a light at the end of the tunnel and supply might run short for a minute but then it it'll correct itself again so Mm. yes so should we move into the death of yes now your topic actually seeks very well into mine okay believe it or not because I'm going to talk about overeating. Oh, I triggered. I'm going to talk about <laughs> whether or not you can eat yourself to death. Yay! Oh, God, double triggered. I mean, in one sitting. Of I course, have to you say, can. yeah. My dad, Daddy Edgecombe, yeah, like he used to eat until he was sick and then eat again on holiday. See, him being sick is a great your body's defense mechanism against this happening that I'm about to talk about. Oh. So actually him getting sick was a good thing. Was it like a TC, like a tactical vomit before you go out? <laughs> after you get too much. That makes this thing so. So I'm going to start out by talking about the death of Adolf Frederick, the King of Sweden. Oh. Oh. So this is from an article on all that's interesting. I also got information from an article on Salon.com called Unhappy Meal by Mary Roach. So, there are several reasons to fondly remember the Swedish king Adolf Frederick's reign from 1751 to 1771. His reign was part of the Age of Liberty during which the civil rights of the Swedish people increased and the country witnessed an extended period of peace. But his reign is perhaps best remembered for the way it ended with the king eating himself to death. Now you'll see him on a lot of lists of like the craziest ways people have died. So on Shrove Tuesday, if you are not aware, Shrove Tuesday is of course the day before Lent begins. Goddy Pancake Day? Yeah, yeah, Pancake Day. So February 12th, 1771, Adolf Frederick observed the holiday in a traditional manner by eating a lot of pleasurable foods in preparation for Lent. However, the king grossly overcompensated, and it is gross. He had a meal that included lobster, caviar, kippers, sauerkraut, boiled meats, and turnips. He must have had a lot of them, because that's not a lot of different foods. His guts must have been fucking stinking. I know, like, are there any vegetables in there? Turnips. Ugh. Does that count? Does sauerkraut count as a vegetable? No. <laughs> Given the enormity of this meal, eating it probably would have more than satisfied most people. But the king was not like most people. The king had an unusually large appetite and was used to overeating. He was a known glutton. Yep. So after washing down this meal with champagne, of course decided to have semlas for dessert. So a semla is a cream-filled bun made from white flour that first appeared in 1541 as a Swedish delicacy. They were the king's favorite sweets, and he ended up eating a lot of them. 
So most Swedes currently eat four or five semlas. I don't know where they got this information from. <laughs> and average, I had like a study. On yeah. Stats.com. <laughs> oh, between the new year and Lent. So they might have four or five within like, you know. A few month period. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, a fucking Christmas cake or something. Like you're not going to eat it every fucking day. The king decided to eat 14 of them in one sitting. Oh, well done. And they're not just plain semlas. He had them in bowls of warmed milk seasoned with cinnamon and with raisins in as well. Nice. I mean, come on. After like the sixth or seventh bowl, though? Like, all right. Following his consumption of the semlas, Adolf Frederick finally decided to stop eating. Not long after dinner, he began complaining of stomach aches, which steadily worsened until he died a few hours later. Ironically, his preparation for Lent prevented him from going through with it. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Achievement achievement unlocked. So we don't know if Adolf Frederick died from a ruptured stomach, but it is possible. And... Apparently, dying of a ruptured stomach from eating too much is something that is possible. Yay! Good to know. Good Good to to know. know. So the first person to test how much a stomach could hold was a Frenchman named E. Reveloid in 1885. So he took a stomach out of a cadaver and filled it up till it burst. The rupture threshold was determined (laughs) to be about four liters. So if you picture one of those big two-liter bottles of cider... Yeah? Yeah, I'm glad. That's, yeah, I'm familiar. That's an official British measurement, right? <laughs> <laughs> a bottle of cider. Two of those puppies. That's how much our stomach can generally hold until it explodes. Fuck. Of course, this varies between person. Like, um, yeah, people that's... who eat competitively for a living, for example, have stretched out stomachs and can probably hold more than that. But that's a general figure. Whew. Six years later, a German physician by the name of Key Aberg repeated the experiment his experiment differed from the French predecessor in that he left the stomach inside the corpse, sat them up, and filled the stomach again. And again, four liters was about the cutoff. So, like I said before, the Guinness Book of Records, you're looking at people have already surpassed this four liters. Uh, Orson Welles, the famous actor, um, reportedly had a very stretchy stomach. According to the owners of Pink's Hot Dog Stand in Los Angeles, the voluminous director once sat down and finished off 18 hot dogs. Kelly Norson, well done. Yeah, good job. <laughs> but if we're going to talk about stomachs that have exploded, and Orson Welles' stomach did not explode, we would have to talk about the person that comes up in a lot of these articles. She's probably the all-time record holder for having the most contents discovered in a stomach after dying. It's 23-year-old London fashion model. Her case was featured in The Lancet in 1985, so we don't have a name for her because obviously it's a medical journal. Mm. She Her privacy has been respected. She managed to put away 8.6 kilograms of food in one meal, which consisted of 500 grams of liver, one kilogram of kidney, a 250 gram of steak, 500 grams of cheese, two eggs, two thick slices of bread, one cauliflower, 10 peaches, four pears, two apples, four bananas, one kilogram, one kilogram each of plums, carrots, and grapes, and two glasses of milk. Fucking hell. So when this woman went to hospital, (laughs) obviously, I mean, fucking a kilogram of carrots, like, shit. 
Was she just not pooping or something? Was it just being stored there? So, her... <laughs> no, you say She... They basically incised her abdomen. They found three liters of semi-solid food removed and removed it from the stomach. So, remember our threshold of two liters? Well, she had three in there. Wow. Exploration revealed a gross distension of the small and large bowel with infarction of the small bowel and gas bubbles in her veins. The ischemic bowel was decompressed and packed with hot towels without any improvement, and the patient died one hour after the surgery had been abandoned. So she, after her autopsy, it revealed extensive hemorrhaging into the submucosal layers of her stomach and the small intestine, and the stomach wall was torn. The whole bowel was invaded by bacteria, Clostridium perfectum, and there was also there was also melanosis coli a condition often associated with purgation so a lot of the times the problem aside from the fact when your stomach ruptures the problem isn't necessarily the food invading your gut although that is a big problem it's also all that bacteria that lives oh, yeah. exclusively in one place is now everywhere. So a lot of people that die from ruptured stomachs die of sepsis, actually. Fucking hell. Yeah. And, like, for her, the main cause of death was probably septicemia, but the massive abdominal distension and the diaphragmatic splinting and high serum potassium may have contributed to a fatal outcome. So she had electrolyte imbalance, obviously, because of all of these weird new fluids in places where they shouldn't have been. So her potassium was really high. <laughs> Sorry. And also it affected her diaphragm because her stomach was literally so big that it got, you know, it's, You're just cupping it's your tits there and shoving them up. I'm showing you where the diaphragm is. You're just is. pushing your tits up. I'm showing you where the diaphragm is. <laughs> I'm being very Blow scientific. <laughs> so the problem scientifically with our stomachs <laughs> It's normally a good thing, but when we have a severely distended stomach, the problem is we have two sphincters on either side of the stomach. Okay. All right. So we have the esophagogastric junction, which prevents food and stuff from going up into our esophagus. And of course, we have the pyloric sphincter at the bottom of the stomach, which prevents stuff going into the small intestine before it's ready to go, basically. Mm. And those things... They're great when they work, but sometimes when our stomach is much too big, they still keep working and you don't vomit. And so you basically, yeah. And then also in addition, you know, all that pressure, if you have prolonged distension of the stomach, the kind of the walls, the gastric walls can get necrotic. Basically they, it leads to ischemia. So oxygen doesn't get to the tissues well enough. So Mm. And that leads to more, more, more of a chance of splitting. Ulcers might, you know, cause more splitting. I feel really triggered right now. <sighs> yeah. Well, not all people who eat themselves to death die of a ruptured stomach. Mm, tell me Some more. Some die of asphyxia when Good a grossly time. distended stomach protrudes so far up out of its customary terrain that the lungs are terminally compromised. Ugh. And so... I'm going to read a little bit from a one, some wonderful bedtime reading. We have it's a story from to the, tell you, children. A story of asphyxiation. <laughs> it's from the Journal of Forensic Sciences. 
Uh, it's an exceptional case of acute respiratory failure caused by intrathoracic gastric perforation secondary to overeating. Choked on his fat bits? Her. Half, sorry. Okay. Basically, yeah. So an 18-year-old female was brought by ambulance to the emergency department during the night. When asked about her illness, she replied she was experiencing acute abdominal pain and noted a sensation of abdominal fullness, admitting to having consumed a heavy meal. The subject was known to have a history of anorexia nervosa and a weight of 38 kilograms. So the physicians who performed the examination in the emergency department reported that the woman had soiled herself with feces. The woman experienced severe abdominal distension with dull percussion and mild abdominal tenderness in the epigastric region. I can't believe it was mild tenderness. Like, I would be dying. No intestinal sounds were audible. The subject also stated she suffered from intermittent nausea for several hours without any vomiting. Uh-oh. Due to the severity of the symptoms, a total body scan was immediately performed. Massive stomach dilation was noted. The stomach expanded into the abdominal cavity and pressed into the left lung and diaphragm in the left hemothorax. Alarmed by the CT findings, the physicians attempted to place a nasogastric tube. However, the patient declined with a generalized seizure, followed by cardiac arrest, cardiorespiratory arrest, excuse me. So after that unfortunate woman died, they requested an autopsy. And amongst the things that they found, they found that the stomach had actually lacerated the diaphragm. So it can do that, apparently. It was so distended that it had lacerated the diaphragm and pressed into the left lung and caused the left lung to collapse. Fuck. So I don't think they noticed any tears in the stomach. So that was literally she asphyxiated because her stomach was so large. Wow. And the thing with the feces was they had thought she'd been sexually abused because her rectum was very dilated. Mm. But apparently she her eating disorder had her, she would manually cause herself to defecate okay. after she binged a lot. So she had problems down there, basically. So, yeah, that was that poor woman. Happy, happy stories. So Dr. Rachel Vreeman, the co-author of Don't Cross Your Eyes, They'll Get Stuck That Way. <laughs> that sounds like a fun book. Rachel, you did shot high on that one. An assistant professor of pediatrics at the Indiana University School of Medicine says anorexics and bulimics have unusual eating habits to an extent that their body's reflexes no longer respond as they normally do. Their body's reflexes have been ignored or abused for so long that they no longer vomit at the appropriate time. And then once the stomach gets to this extremely distended point, the stomach muscles are too stretched out to be strong enough to vomit the food out. Mm. So this, to be honest, this whole thing about your stomach rupturing due to binging or getting asphyxiated it happens a lot a disproportionate amount to um, people with eating disorders um, and also people for example with prater willy syndrome as you know yes, yes that's really interesting yeah people that can't don't ever feel full they always feel starving and they will overeat a lot unless you help them and there's instances of people dying of suspected overeating in that in that regard what is surprising about the two women with eating disorders is they survived as long as they did. Mm. Although I wouldn't say the 18-year-old survived that long. 
The shriveled stomachs of people who have been starving tend to rupture more easily. So the model that we talked about before with the three liters of fluid or food in her had been interspersing her binges with three to four day bouts of complete starvation. The end of World War II saw a disquieting number of former prisoners of war perish from gastrointestinal overload and presented with unlimited quantities of food. It didn't take much. So the surgeon commander of the Polish Navy described four such cases um, in the British Medical Journal in 1947, with one of the men succumbing from a relatively unnoteworthy two quarts of soup, one quart of coffee, a half pound of bread, and some potatoes over the course of the day. Mm. So this is that refeeding syndrome that you see. So when people have been starving, for example, you rescue someone from a starvation situation or if they have an eating disorder and have been starving for a long time, Mm. you know, you have to really, really take caution with getting them back to their normal diet because it will just, it can kill them basically, even small, you know, not huge amounts of food. But whether you die from a ruptured stomach or asphyxia, you haven't got long to, for regrets. The ruptured stomach victims in most of the reports that I read typically died within a matter of hours. Of 31 cases reviewed in one 1941 journal article, only two recovered. So, you and I, we're going to go off. We're going to inevitably eat an enormous meal, right? Yeah. We're going to lay on the couch and be like, oh, fuck, I hate myself. <laughs> so, if you go away from this and you do that and you're lying there wondering whether your stomach has quietly ruptured and are worried, (laughs) rest assured that you will know when it happens. Case studies quote patients reporting a popping noise with a sensation of giving way. Shit. So like, you know, that feeling when you let that, like, you know, button out your jeans or whatever. That's what, yeah. Pop. Fuck. Yeah, if you hear that and feel that, then get yourself to the hospital. Although Medical you, attention. You probably won't recover. <laughs> you probably won't make it there. No. <laughs> yeah. And here's me thinking, like, from tomorrow, I'll just start using the smaller bowls. That's seeming like a really good idea now. I tell you what, I when I went to the Chumash Casino in California when I was there over Christmas, yeah. they have an all-you-can-eat buffet. And if you've never been to a casino buffet... Holy shit. Like, I mean, we're talking like food from every land, every continent, every country, huge seafood section. So like I literally had crab legs on top of every plate, right? No matter what, it was like the the dessert dessert plate, crab legs. legs, Yeah. Cause you know, you pay your 20 20 bucks or whatever and you want to get all the fucking food, right? Yep. I finished and I had maybe... Five or six plates, plus a dessert plate, plus maybe like some soup or some shit. You know, a salad plate. done, woman. I went to the bathroom immediately after, not went to the bathroom, but I had to go into the restroom immediately after because I thought, I literally have never felt such pain in my life in my stomach. I I literally thought I was going to vomit. I've never eaten to the point where I I was so certain that I was going to vomit and I my stomach felt so painful. I was worried that I had ruptured something. <laughs> didn't feel a pop. I didn't actually rupture my stomach, but it was very scary. I bet you were past the world's largest movement, though. I don't remember actually now, but... Was that from pain? <laughs> yeah. The pains made me forget. But honestly, it doesn't... 
it doesn't really happen to the normal everyday glutton like you or me. <laughs> you know, it happens to people who have disordered eating, who have problems with their stomachs already, but it can happen. And that's the thing. Shit. Watch out on, you know, Shrove Tuesday. Don't go too nuts with those little those little pastries, especially if you're a king. I'm going to imagine your face saying that to me every time I go for the big bowl. All like, right. Don't go too nuts. Nope. You'll pop. No, you will pop. <laughs> yes. I need like a little sound bite that you can send me that I can play to myself every time that I feel like eating more than I should. Can you do like a... We can't do it. We're not very good. Oh. That's a bit better. <laughs> it's a bit mild. Hang on. No, I was trying with the thumb and everything. I thought it'd be like more gravitous, but no, not. No, sorry. I could send you like. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally pour some of those Rice Krispies in my vagina and send, send you a recording of the. <laughs> Do you know what that'd be worth? Any kind of money. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the video as well. Yeah, exactly. There are some people who I'm sure will Fuck pay student for it. finance. You know, just sell pop yeah. crackle and. Wap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this leads nicely on to our awkward questions. And it's not so awkward, really. I have one. Okay. It's food related. Okay. Would you rather eat no candy at Halloween or would you rather not have turkey at Thanksgiving? My American friend. Oh, the conundrum. The conundrum of the season. <laughs> ah, I would rather eat no candy at Halloween because turkey goes with Thanksgiving. It's just, that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. You know, if you're vegan or vegetarian, I'm sorry. You know, thanks, <laughs> just fuck off. Thanksgiving has no place for you. <laughs> I have the side dishes. Don't you have pumpkin pie traditionally at Thanksgiving? Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, side dishes like corn, sweet potato pie, maybe, uh, rolls uh green beans maybe green bean casserole if you're southern yeah, i'd definitely go for that as well i'm on board with stuffing that. Stuffing. stuffing stuffing yes <laughs> um as far as candy on halloween i eat candy all year round so i don't need a holiday i'm not a kid anymore i don't need a holiday where i can i can go to the justification i can go to the store and buy candy i don't need to go door to door and get it like Bank a hobo candy. like um, and there are other things you can eat on halloween Candy apples. Oh, yeah. yeah. What are they going to do this year for Halloween? Even my little boy was asking. And he was like, Mommy, can we go trick-or-treat? He was like, not this year because pandemic. Yeah. No. We are going to... My daughter suggested hiding candy around the house like Easter. Okay. So we're going to do that. We're going to watch some, you know, family spooky movies. Nice. We're still going to dress up. We might play some halloween games. I can make some sort of themed dinner that's a bit spooky or some shit, like spaghetti intestines or, you know, I don't See, know. Whereas I was just going to chase everyone around the, around the you know, local village area with COVID swabs and be like, oh my God, no. You gag with the- I wonder if anyone sells a giant COVID like mascot costume, like the actual germ, like the virus. <sighs> And I wonder if they sell a sexy version, because there's sexy versions of every house. I sent it to you last year, didn't I? It was the sexy academic thing. Shit, yes. (laughs) Can I be sexy COVID for Halloween? Oh, God. Can you imagine, like, like, just, like, a virus particle with, like, sexy legs and high heels sticking out? (laughs) Fuck me. So, yeah, hit me up. What's my question? 
I've got a tough one for you. Oh, okay. Would you rather always be overweight or always be underweight? Always be overweight. Really? Yep. Yes. Because I've been both ends of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And quite severely, when I was underweight, well, I went from size 22 within nine months down to a size 8, 10. Damn. Yeah, I was... You want to get gallstones, that's a great way to oh, get gallstones. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't... I was getting pressure sores in bed if mm-hmm. I didn't fucking turn myself like I was in a bay every Shit. 30 minutes. My hips, when I li- let down, my pants used to rest on top of my hips and then I had a fucking dip that went straight down to the panani area. Damn. I was, like... There was just skin flaps for breasts. There wasn't any. And I, I think I pro- was probably the most miserable I've been in my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Because nutritionally, I wasn't getting what I needed to to function up there. And fuck me, it was a little bit shady up there anyway. Yeah. So, and I think I've probably been classed as overweight since I had my son now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I think it's, and I've said many, many times, it's more for the physical health side. Because I'm, I'm really quite comfortable in the body I have. I've put on some weight recently and I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that again. But I know it's been for a reason. I've been quite content and quite happy. Mm-hmm. So that's generally when I gain. But yeah, I think there's probably the mortality rates of people that are chronically underweight are more rapid and fast acting than the mortality rates of people that are overweight, which ultimately, if you're either end of the spectrum, it's going to fucking get you. Mm-hmm. But I think I would rather sort of my current end. <laughs> so, yeah. I think we've covered the fact that, you know, if you don't shit yourself after you've eaten, then you're probably going to die and go... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sphincters are great Sphincters. until they keep too much food in yep. and you burst. Always vomit after every meal. No, don't do that. Oh, fuck. That's a, that's an eating disorder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is see, I'm I've done three counseling sessions so far. Given three counseling sessions for my. I was gonna say don't my, No, my cut rate um counseling in um where was I gonna do it? I don't know. Western Sigma, maybe. No, <laughs> the tropical, the place where British people go for holiday. I don't know. Magaluf. Magaluf. Yeah, my my Magaluf counselling sessions are going great. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I think it's taking into account as well that people, you know, we're, these are the hidden stories that we're not seeing in the news, are people that have got enduring chronic eating, disordered eating, Mm -hmm. that are having to manage that way of, way of consuming or not consuming food Mm -hmm. on their own now. Definitely. And that terrifies me. And we can put up some links to resources, yes. uh, etc. online. I think I was really shocked by the amount, you know, because we'll often, I know I do, I'll go through a period where I'm like, oh man, I've binged so much. Like, because yeah. I've eaten like, what, a tub of ice cream. And then like, you look and see what people are actually binging. Yeah. Like you see the run through of the food that that model ate, for example. Yeah. And it's just like, this is for real. This mm. is actual binging. You know, it's it's literally that eight packets of ramen that that, you know, woman was talking about. Like, it's not like, oh, I overate a little bit. So I'm such a binger. Like, it's like you eat a f- 
fucking ton if you're mm. properly disorderly binging. Like, I'm amazed. Yes. Well, on this note, I'm going to go cook myself some cheese on toast and half a slab of pig. Uh, nice. I'm going to eat <laughs> no. some grapes, maybe. Oh, God. And this is why I'm I'm larger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Let's wrap this up. <clears throat> yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, uh, we love talking to you on the Life Until Death podcast, but we'd also love to hear from you too. Communication is a two-way street. So if you've got any tough questions that you want us to ask each other and make us feel uncomfortable, please send them in. Anything to do with mental health or death um, or whatever, really. Nothing uh, about sex lives or anything like that, guys, because my mom listens to this and she'll kick your ass online. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't be gross. Um, if you have any other uh, comments, questions, or criticisms about the things that we've talked about, or if there's something you really, really desperately want us to talk about, please, please tell us on our Facebook page, send us an email, you know, however you want to get in contact with us, please do so. Cause we would love to hear from you. Thanks.